Hello, GNT listeners. This is Matt coming at you with a movie review of a very special project from Peter Jackson called They Shall Not Grow Old. This is it, Peter Jackson. This is exactly what you were meant to do, this type of project. I I was so, so excited for this. Way more excited than I ever was for Mortal Engines. I, I don't know why he chose that project particularly to work on. But man, when I heard he was doing this, this is right up his alley. This is, this is what Peter Jackson does best. He's given a challenge to see what he can accomplish. And he completely exceeds all expectations, I feel like. I really, really, really was so excited to see this movie. And, and something that made me super excited is I was I was just on time for this movie. And for the Fathom events, which this is a part of, there's not always assigned seating. And the place was packed. I, I struggled to find a seat. I had to... I had to ask a lady that was sitting there with her coat on one of the chairs if someone was sitting there. Luckily, they weren't, and I got a really good spot because I, I was bold enough to ask her. But I guess I digress. But the, the point is I was so excited to see the theater full. It's It, it really warmed my heart. It made me realize that, that there is a place for projects like this in the future. And this is only the beginning. I, I really hope this is only the beginning. There's got to be some other great creative minds out there now that Peter Jackson has blazed the trail for this World War I documentary. And for this particular documentary, again, called They Shall Not Grow Old, Peter Jackson was given access to over 100 hours of World War I footage from the Imperial War Museum and asked to present material in a, quote, fresh and original way, unquote. I mean, that is that is insane. That's all the direction he was given. Fresh and original. 100 hours of footage. And I, I might be wrong, but I seem to remember him saying from the presentation of this video at the end, I think he said there was something like 600 hours of audio. And that may be incorrect. That I may be not speaking correct facts there. But either way, it was a staggering amount of material, not just visual, but audio as well. And I loved the focus. It was such a personal focus. It was, it was, uh, it, it wasn't intended to be an academic film. That's specifically from Peter Jackson's mouth. He he said he's not a historian. He's not an academic. But it was his goal and his, I guess, philosophy of the movie was just to show a day in the life of a soldier in World War One. And it was so great the way that he did that. We've all seen this black and white footage before. We've all seen footage of World War One in the trenches and, and what it may have looked like. The problem with that original footage is it comes in the days when you had to hand crank a camera. And that causes varying frame rates. Today as an audience, we're generally used to seeing things at 24 frames per second. Minus on Peter Jackson's Hobbit trilogy, which he did at 48 frames per second. But in those days, it varied anywhere, I think, between about 10 and 18 frames per second. And that's why people look sped up. And it, it's kind of that Charlie Chaplin type of comical movement. Another challenge is that the aging of the film itself caused it to be scratched and sometimes warped so that when it is played on the reel, the image is not always clear and it can be a bit jumpy. 
And uh, there were all sorts of issues like that. There were some images that were underexposed, some that were overexposed. And of course, it's not uncommon for people to fix the exposure on something. That's a pretty standard industry tool. But wow, to, to be able to fix that scratch look and to be able to fix the frame rate, it's just absolutely outstanding. It really translates it into the 21st century where you look at these people and for the first time, I mean, granted, of course they're people, right? Of course they're capturing people, but it just, it brings the humanity back to these character, uh, characters, back to these people uh, that that lived and walked and breathed and and sweated and suffered in the trenches in World War One, and it, it's such a beautiful project for that very reason. Black and white itself, uh, you know, Peter Jackson said he is generally opposed to coloring something that's that's black and white. If it was made black and white for artistic purposes. You know, an example might be Schindler's List or more recently the movie Roma, which I look forward to reviewing here soon. And, uh, you know, films like that, which were intentionally made in black and white or, you know, to colorize something like Casablanca would just be it would just be wrong in my in my mind. Uh, I I don't think it's right. It, it, It was intended to be like that. But when you go if you were to go back in time and ask these World War One uh, camera operators, you know, if they preferred black and white versus color footage, if, you know, most likely they would pick the color, right? And and I guess that specifically from his words is, is how he justified colorizing the footage and not keeping it as black and white. But he does say that the colorizing is just, it's just icing on the cake. You know, once you fix that frame rate and you fix the scratches so it's a clean image and you fix the exposure and and you're basically just cleaning it up and making it look like something that we're used to seeing today, it really, really brings out these these people as humans and it it humanizes them and makes it real and makes it relevant and it it helps you see World War I in a new light in in a very realistic way. And the, the colorizing was actually done by a third-party company called Stereo D. And I, I think the 3D preparation as well. And if you're not, if you didn't know this, the uh, the presentation of this movie is in 3D, which adds a, a kind of a fascinating element to it in its own right. I would like to see it in 2D at some point, but the 3D was nice as well. I I, I have nothing against that. And, uh, you know, one cool tidbit for the colorization of the film before I move on from that is that they were able to use Peter Jackson's own World War One memorabilia like he had uniforms. He even had a uh, I guess a cannon, you know, some artillery from World War One. It's just and, and you know, he kind of makes a crack about that at the end of the movie. But. Very, very cool. Very cool project. And obviously one very close to Peter Jackson's heart. And and those are the best kind of projects. Those are the ones that really end up becoming special. And uh, I, I, think, I think I agree with Peter Jackson that colorizing, you know, me and Peter were on first name basis. <laughs> that I, I agree with him that colorizing is just a nice frosting or glaze on top of a deliverable that is already impressive in and of itself. 
if you just left it black and white and you fixed all those other things, wow. I mean, it is just beautiful. And, uh, you know, colorizing is just, that's just another way for us to relate to it here in the 21st century. Uh, but yeah, bringing, bringing the frame rate to normalize the movements or the people cleaning up those scratch markings, correcting the exposure. It just really makes these people all that more relatable. And, uh, and yeah, it's heartbreaking as well. You know, you see real footage. This isn't, this isn't a pretend movie, right? It's not, it's not even something like, uh, saving private Ryan where it's representing something real, but the footage that you're seeing is not real. But in this case, these are real people the, the you know, those are real bodies on the ground. Those are real injuries. Those are real people that lived and breathed and they are on the camera. It's that is what you're seeing. You were seeing that person and it's just, it is, it is heartbreaking. It is, it is moving it's it can be shocking and and disturbing at times to see the the horrors that war causes you know which which obviously we're no strangers to today in this day and age but wow I, this project was special and i i of course i'm going to give this this movie an a but it's not like grading other movies, it, you know, there's, there's not a plot to think about. There's not character development to think about. This is just a special technological project that ends up being very personal, very humanizing, and just for lack of a better word, special. I really encourage you to go see this movie. It's playing again on the 27th. I saw it on the 17th last Monday. Go see this movie. It's on the twenty seventh. It's it's really special. I will say, if you're taking, if you if you were gonna take a younger audience, there the only the only thing to be I think dis dis uh, discriminating about is there are some very strong war images, and you know you do see dead bodies, you do see some some graphic images. Of course, nothing is inappropriate in this movie. There's there's no language or anything to worry about with kids. So if you have if you have teenagers or older kids, I guess if if you felt like they were ready for that, that that wanted to see this and you felt like it would be a good idea for them, I would highly recommend bringing them with you to this movie. It's very special. Go see it. Get your tickets now. From what I've heard this fathom event is doing really well and selling out. And that's what I saw. It was a packed house when I went to see it. And I'm so grateful for that. Please go see it, spend the money, show them that these kind of projects are important and special. You won't regret it. This you, you will love what you see and stay tuned after the credits for a special 30 minute behind the scenes with Peter Jackson himself. This has been another Matt's movie review. Thank you so much for listening. I hope to see you in the theater.